Welcome to Same Old City, an independent York City fans podcast. My name's Simon Kraft, and who's here with me today? It's my party, and I'll cry if I want to. It's Ben Aspinall. Yeah, that's right. It's a very special episode of Same Old City today because it's Ben's birthday. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. Taking time out from uh, having a day being all about me to talk about um, 11 heroes in Essex. Yeah. What better way to spend your birthday than uh, mm. discussing non-league football over Zoom? Well, here's the thing. I- I've seen a handful of York City games on actually on my birthday itself. Is it your birthday, if I remember correctly? Was that not the FA Trophy one year? The FA Trophy final? Yeah, that was when we lost to Stevenage. Still got a scarf with the oh. date and uh, and fixture oh, on it. okay. Excellent. Yeah, that's a nice little present, isn't it? Yeah, sort of an occasion I'd rather not be reminded of, to be honest, given how, how bad <laughs> we were that season. But um, but yeah, no City games on your birthday this season. But yeah, we're actually recording in between the uh, the Saturday-Tuesday run. Yeah, it's going to be a bit of a Frankenstein's monster of an episode because we're recording after the mm-hmm. South End game, but before the Dorking game. Um, but we are going to drop in our reaction to Dorking uh, after that's happened. So if we say anything that becomes wrong or wildly inappropriate after the Dorking match, just chalk it down to that. Are you saying that something is going to become possibly un-PC in the, what, three days between releasing the episode and right now? But yeah, it will all it will all come together and you'll be none the wiser if we hadn't pointed out to you at the start here. So, hey, Simon, how about that win, draw, defeat at home to Dorking yesterday? Yeah, we could do that, couldn't we? We could just record three separate um, three separate <laughs> versions of it. Yeah, but straightforward. I, I mean, it's only my birthday. I've got plenty of time. But yeah, before we get into the action itself, uh, just a quick mention of the reaction mm-hmm. to the Leicester episode, because, yeah, we had a lot of good uh, feedback on that, but in particular one element of it, which was the... Uh, the Neil Adley Saturday Tuesday mix, uh, which I will drop in again now for anyone who's not heard it. Saturday Tuesday games coming up soon with the with the rearranged fixtures and stuff like that. Yeah, lots of responses to that one, in particular from club owner Matt Ugler, who was asking the question, "Who made this?" Well, it was pretty obvious, to be honest with you, Matthew. But okay, fair enough. It's good to have some confirmation. Um, but yes, it was it was all our own work. Um, Let's stress this very very clearly right now, Simon. This was all your hard work. Well, you know, I don't want to uh, don't <laughs> want to toot my own harm, but but yes, that was uh, that was me who went to all the effort of um, of splicing Neil's voice, Neil's dulcet <laughs> tones with the stick song from Hey Dougie. If anyone's interested in what the uh, what the origin of that is, any parents listening might already be familiar. But yeah, apparently uh, Matt is going to show it to to Neil Adley himself. To get his reaction, mm. so I think we can probably await imminent banning orders from the club and uh, cease and desist requests. Not a moment too soon, if you ask me, Simon. <laughs> Hopefully, it takes it in the spirit it was intended. Mm. But yeah, let's get into that Saturday Tuesday action, starting with the trip down to Roots Hall, uh, which finished Southend United nil, York City one. This is one that the helicopter was in action again for Ben. Is that right? Nope, I can confirm that the uh, the Kentwicks helicopter was unsheathed again for another weekend. And uh, yeah, I was high over international waters watching completely legally the South End versus York City stream, courtesy of the good people at uh, the National League website. Yeah, and when you say you were high over the North Sea, just to stress that is in terms of your distance above the ocean, not no substances had been taken, although you were high on life possibly by the end of the game. Oh, uh, in the ninth, the eighth, ninth minute, 
Um, yes, I was very high on life. I was very much high on stolen goods from the shop. But let's take a look at the lineup for that game. So we had new left back Danny Amos straight into the team, or at left wing back, I guess, specifically. Uh, Billy Chadwick mm-hmm. dropping to the bench. Uh, now, I didn't watch the stream of this game, so wasn't sure. Was it more of a 5 3 2 with Dippo and Davis up front, or was it sort of a front three with Burgess in? On in on the right, what was the what was the kind of setup? It was a uh, reverting back to the three five two that had um, done reasonably well during the unbeaten run, um, with obviously um, Amos coming in to the left wing back position. I think Burgess was kind of pushed on a little bit from midfield two of Woodyard and, and Paddy, playing more on the right in the channel, but obviously dropping back into midfield when needed. So you know, if you want a, a visualization in your head, I'd say straightforward way of thinking of it would be the uh, the five three two. Yeah, and in terms of the action from the first half, having having seen the highlights, it seemed like the early chances, uh, Danny Amos was quite heavily involved uh, with, mm. his, uh, with his deliveries. So there was there was a cross from the left by Amos, uh, and Dippo kind of flicked a, a header just wide. Yep. And then there was another Amos delivery, this time from a free kick from the right, and again it, it came to Dippo and was headed wide, although I think that one was given offside. So straight away mm. we can see... That he, you know, Amos has been put on set pieces. He's clearly got a decent cross on him. Did you have any sort of other main takeaways from the from the opening exchanges? I think um, York, in an attacking sense, got better as the half went on. It was a tight first half, wasn't it? It was very, very tight. I really liked Dippo's first opportunity, the uh, the header from uh, Amos's cross. I think the keeper is the south end keeper is very, very worried about where it's going to drop, and um, you can see him kind of, you know, scrambling. And he gets across to his far post. But I think had that been on target, it would have beaten him. Um, and yeah, you mentioned the Dippo offside header. Didn't quite get their connection on it correctly. Didn't time his run um, adequately enough. But it's good to see that connection uh, building up already with Amos because um, we've been delighted with Fallowfield's contribution for the right-hand side. And we've all been saying we just needed a left-foot Fallowfield, haven't we? And he showed a lot of that, um, Amos, during the course of the 90 minutes here. Some good defending and some very reasonable forward play. Yeah, and Southend did have a few chances themselves. Their next chance was from a free kick on the left, taken by Bridge, that was headed over onto the roof of the net by Waldron. Mm. Another one that wasn't too far off, but there seemed to be a lot of set-piece chances. There wasn't a lot of uh, sort of flowing play in evidence from the highlights. Also, yeah, it's it's worth noting with that, that particular Southend chance, um, you've, you'd hope Sykes Kenworthy has it covered, the way, you know, his reaction to it, but... Um, you know, he's diving for it, he's, he's leaping for it as well, doesn't he? So I don't think he knows for definite that's not going to go in. So, um, yeah, bit of heart in mouth moment there for the York defence. Yeah, but the South End defence were pressed into action after that when Ryan Fallowfield played in Dippo on the counter-attack. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was some really decent covering and tackle by uh, Morton in the South End defence uh, to kind of rob Dippo of the ball. I'm not sure if he thought he had more time than he did or, yeah. um, or what was the explanation there because we're used to seeing Dippo being free on goal burying that chance uh, rather yeah. than sort of dallying uh, do you think it was just good defending or, or should he have done a bit better yep I don't want to be harsh on Dippo there I think it's really good defending the defender um, Morton you say does really well to come back and um, recover and resolve the situation please don't use the word Morton and come back in the same sentence <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen a Morton do that well for New York since ever for the way last season maybe I don't know well yeah I want to say massive praise to Fallowfield for his outside of the foot pass to put Dippo through. A lovely technique on that pass. And we've not really seen like our forward line like run onto like through balls for a while, have we? We've not been able to draw 
positions out like in in such a manner. So uh, maybe Depot's maybe just feeling a little bit rusty, not been put through one on one in a while, has he? But yeah, the defender does well to recover. Perhaps Depot could have got rid of it earlier, got the effort away. But um, sometimes he's got to praise the opposition, and I think that this is one of those instances. Defender does very well. Yeah, I think the next chance we probably do have to uh, say was a bad miss, which oh, was yes. the which was the Will Davis chance. So this one starts when a, there's a goal kick, which is cut out by Fallerfield, sort of running onto it quite well. It's a terrible goal kick, isn't it? Just very bizarre, for want of a better phrase. Just it's goes straight through to an onrushing fullback. Yeah, it was a very strange technique. He was it was like he was trying to place it exactly to one of his teammates, but yeah, clearly either didn't see Fallerfield or, or completely misjudged it. But yeah, Fallerfield intercepts, uh, brings it forward. He kind of messes up his cutback, really. Mm. It eventually does find its way to Will Davis. About, what, six yards out? Yeah, yeah. With how much of the goal empty? Probably about half of it. That's, oh, more than half. Uh, the, I'd say the South End goalkeeper. I've got Paul's in front of me. The South End goalkeeper is at the other third of the goal, um, the far post. Yeah, Will has a lot of the goal to um, aim at there. Yeah, but unfortunately he does just strike the post instead. Yeah. I was listening on the radio sort of off and on, um, and you're never quite sure how, you know, the commentary is going to translate when you actually see the highlights yourself. But they were saying, you know, oh, it was a mm. really good chance it should have taken. Um, and yeah, I think that's probably underselling it. It's, it should be 1-0 <laughs> at that point, shouldn't it? Yeah. And again, we don't want to be too critical of Davis. It's just one of those things that happens. I've been thinking about this chance in relation to like how we're going to talk about it on the pod recording this week. And I can't work out how it happens. Is it is it a lack of concentration? Is he not ready for it? Because he's, his body position, is the way he's struck it, is clean enough. He, he's, he's wanting to hit it with his side foot in that direction. Has he just got his angles wrong? I, I really cannot even begin to explain how that's happened. Have you got any ideas? I guess he's just trying to place it into that section of the net to make sure the keeper's mm. not going to recover in time but when he, he actually probably has more of the goal to aim at than he thinks to be honest I'd probably be well I mean if it was me I would be skying that into Rosette but mm. if I were a professional footballer I probably would have tried to maybe you know hit it a bit higher just... yeah maybe yeah well you're thinking crossbar are you Simon <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking your boa aren't you I know crossbar line in shirt off ears cupped ears to the fans yeah Pointing to the name on the back of his shirt. Yeah. Hang on, how's he pointing to the name on the back of his shirt if he's taking his shirt off? Oh, so he's holding the shirt. Good right. point. He's holding the shirt in the air while pointing yeah. at it. Yeah, and he's saying, Davis, remember the name. <laughs> <laughs> not the snooker on the football. No, we're not, we're yeah. not doing that. No, we're not no. doing that. Um, and also, special mention to uh, your friend of mine, Alex Woody Woodyard, uh, oh, managing yeah. to put the ball in the higher tier of the stand behind the goal. Fair play to him. Yeah, there has been a few chances where it, it's come to him and like he can't really do anything other than shoot, but you just know where it's going to end up, don't you? As soon as he, as soon as he shapes to strike it, I mean, maybe one day one's going to going to fly top corner. You never know. Yeah, I think we've had this before. I can't remember what game it was. It, it might have been made. Um, I'm sorry, main head away before he got sent off, where he had a an effort that wasn't too far away. But this was very much, you know, going nowhere near a goal. But you know, things looking a bit desperate when Alex Woodyard. Bless him. He's trying to uh, salvage the situation in an, att- in an attacking sense. In an attacking sense, yeah, yeah. He does salvage the situation later on, uh, which will. Oh, he has his day in the to. sun. Very much so later on in this yeah. uh, particular match. Um, but yeah, it was nil nil at half time. So yeah, let's let's move into the second half action. Did it sort of unfold in a similar way as you saw it, or 
you know, was there a, sort of a different pattern to the game? I think in the second half, Southend started to try and turn the screw a little bit more than they had in the first half, which was a, a, a worry for me. I was starting to feel a certain resemblance to the Hartley pull-away fixture. But uh, luckily for us, uh, Southend uh, lacked a little bit of cutting edge and quality uh, when we go through the highlights shortly. I'm, I'm sure we'll you know explain that. But I started to worry. On the whole, the midfield was a little bit, so I would say non-existent because it's exceptionally harsh to uh, Woody who always puts in a, at least a 6.5, not a 7 of a game. And Paddy tries his best, but you know you worry about the legs. And Burgess, as we discussed, it can be a luxury. So we were kind of getting turned around the midfield rather quickly a lot in the um, in the second half, which was allowing chances for Southend, and they just lacked their clinical and cutting edge, as I say. There was some decent defensive work by City in oh, particular. Yeah. yeah. Um, a couple of the bits I wanted to highlight was a great sliding tackle by Adam Crooks yep. on Waldron to stop a Southend counter attack. And he got, and it should have been a throw in out. It should have been your throw in as well. He, he, he that comes off Southend player. Uh, even the Radio Essex commentators remarked that's the Yorks he throw in um, from Crooks's recovery. Well, it's not a recovery tackle, is it? But Crooks's uh, tackle there. So not only does he manage to get a cracking, you know, aesthetically pleasing slide tackling whilst the uh, Terry Butcher uh, makeup is on, you know, yeah. the the head um, bandage, but yeah, he also manages to flick it off the uh, South End player, and it's annoyingly given as a uh, decisions given to them uh, with the resulting throw in. But you know. If the, if the linesman watched it properly, it would have been a decision in our favour. So, yeah, fair play to uh, to Crooksy. Yeah, the head bandage does really add to the aesthetic quality. I agree. Of it. so, I agree. Yeah, Terry Butcher, or maybe Paul Ince away at Italy yeah, that, as well. Yeah, that's a good shout. And yeah. a similar kind of backs-to-the-wall defensive mm. performance. So um, you Equally some... important, you could argue, as well. But also a word for GSK in goal. Um, makes a decent save from Crowther. Mm. Uh, when there's, yeah, there's a ball crossed in from the right by Scott Morris. Gets headed across to Crowther, who's free in front of goal. Um, heads it goalwards, but it's a good reaction save by Sykes Kenworthy. It is near post. I think Absolutely. if it goes in, yeah. you'd be a bit disappointed, but he has to be fairly quick to get to it. I think you, you've described it perfectly there, Simon, because when you watch it back, it's a decent height for our George, and it's pretty close to him, but it's you, you, you're right in mentioning the, the reflexes to get your hands up and get it away. Because he manages to get it away from a dangerous position. The South End attacker, you know, does follow it up, but the ball's already out of play before he can follow up properly. Uh, Sykes came with his technique to uh, get the save there, claw it away, but also claw it out of play. Fantastic. We've, we've waxed the lyrical about him at numerous points during um, his time with York, haven't we? But I think this was a kind of new aspect of it, as it were, like re- the reflexes element. I don't think we've spoken too much about that, have we? We've kind of spoke so glowingly about his distribution and his role as a sweeper-keeper, but, you know, this actual basic stuff that he's, that he's um, exemplified when he can do really well. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, it did seem like Southend were on top at this point, so we mm. tried to shake it up a little bit with a, with a couple of subs. John Lewis came on for Will Davis on 62 minutes, uh, and then we mm-hmm. brought Billy Chadwick on for Burgess. On 74. Mm-hmm. Um, next chance I wanted to mention was from another corner, uh, and it's Amos taking it again. Does a sort of drilled delivery to yeah. John Lewis um, at the near post. Uh, John Lewis flicks it on. Callum Howe heads it back across goal, and Dippo kind of gets a flicked header on it, but it, it's straight at the keeper. It's comfortable for the goalkeeper, isn't it? But the, the way it happens is rather quickly. So, again, you know, fair play to the South End goalkeeper. He reacts uh, pretty well to it. Comfortable height and, and speed for him, the way that the ball's travelling, the way it happens very quickly as well. Fair play to him. Yeah, another reason I wanted to pick this one out is just, again, to talk about Amos's delivery. 
because mm. we've been a little bit short on set piece takers. We've been very reliant on the Burge, who obviously, mm. you know, he can do an in-swinger from the right, but this gives us another option because, you mm. know, he's a left-footed player. But also the style of delivery he was doing, he was doing a lot of quite sort of flat, drilled corners, which mm-hmm. we haven't really seen. So it could be another uh, sort of weapon in our arsenal there. I completely agree with you there. The deliveries that we saw from Amos uh, were varied. We mentioned the, the um, deliveries to Dippo in the first half, but you mentioned the corner kicks here. That flat ball in. God, I can't remember last time I saw one of them um, come for York City delivery. So nice bit of variety. And obviously we'll come to, to the goal a little bit later on, which begins with the, uh, the Amos corner. So excellent um, bit of uh, repertoire to add to the Arsenal. Yeah, but before that, it's probably Southend who should open the scoring. It's again Crowther bringing it forward, the number five. Don't know if he is a centre-back, as his shirt number suggests he should be, but he was uh, he was definitely getting involved further up the pitch. Mm-hmm. He brings it forward and plays a 1-2 with Sandat, who's one of their subs. And then it looks like he's through on goal with a decent chance to shoot, but for some reason he decides to try and cut it back as well. And there again is Adam Crooks uh, with his headband on uh, to be <laughs> the right place at the right time. Do you think he should shoot here? He should, but that's just hindsight, isn't it? If that does find the attacker in the middle and the South End player slots at home gently, it's a beautiful looking goal. The one two is shockingly just let uh, left to happen, isn't it? Uh, to let Crowver go through on goal like that. Possible nosebleed, do you reckon? Not on Crook, sorry, obviously with the headband. I meant on um, on Crowther. <laughs> then he'd really be in trouble if he had a nosebleed as well as the uh, cut eye. <laughs> I think. Um, you should commend players for being unselfish, shouldn't you? But in this instance, uh, Crowther should have thought better and uh, thought of that goal bonus if he does have one. But uh, Crooks, again, does well to intercept. It is a rather weak cutback, back, isn't it? I don't think it would have found the South End attacker even without Crooks there. It's not particularly uh, an incisive pass back. So, uh, yeah, he should have been selfish, should have thought about the glory. Just said, stuff your teammates and gone for it himself. And thank goodness he didn't. Yeah, but yeah, the, the game was closing in. It was looking like it might be a, a nil-nil, which would have been Southend's first draw at home all season. Uh, we did bring Dan Batty on for Dippo on 84 minutes, which Ardley afterwards said that Dippo had just sort of ran himself into the ground and, and didn't have any energy left, mm. which sort of seemed like it might be a bit of a defensive sub. You know, let's sit back, settle for the draw. But no, on 89 minutes, we win a corner. It's Amos taking it from the left. There's some great movement by Callum Howe to lose his marker. He's sort of uh, weaving around all over the place. Wins the header, which is saved. And then sort of nearly comes to Adam Crooks, but he's maybe shielding the ball for a uh, more attacking threat to come in. And, mm. and there is Lenny John Lewis to slam it home. And we have, uh, we've absolutely daggered them, them there, haven't we, with, a, uh, with another, <laughs> another late smash and grab. In Essex, of all places, as well. Yeah. Um, I do want to pull, pull back a little bit, Simon, if that's okay, because the, the opportunity before the corner, that leads to the corner, I beg your pardon, is Dan Batty looking for an incisive through ball to um, to Fallowfield, um, who's making a, a lovely run. The South End defender sticks a leg out, manages just to intercept, really good defending, comes back to the South End goalkeeper, who, as we said earlier, had made some rather bizarre distribution decisions over the course of the 90. He does that again at this point. He just kicks it out aimlessly to, I believe it's, yeah, it's it's Will Smith who is on the right wing of all places. He swings across in and uh, the South End player at the far post, un, you know, nobody around him, probably didn't get, get the shout, puts out for the corner. 
which leads to our goal, which you've so um, perfectly described there. So, you know, it's great for us, but if you look at the build-up play beforehand, it's rather needless if you're thinking of it from a self-end point of view. They play themselves into trouble at least twice, if not more, and you'd be very, very frustrated as a self-end fan for not only the, you know, the rather chaotic nature of the con- you know, of the goal being conceded, but the build-up to it. But, you know, upon reflection, um, stuff them. <laughs> yeah, and it very much sounded like Southend were more likely to score for most of the second mm. half, at least listening on the radio. I think fan reaction to our performance would have been probably slightly different if we hadn't got this late goal, but we did. But there was still work to do because ah. Southend had their own decent chance uh, through a header from Dakers, another one of their subs, who, yeah, wins the header, gets it on target, but who is flying across the face of the goal but Alex Woodyard. The Gravesend Perlo comes to the rescue once again. I thought it was the Gravesend Javier Alonso. He can be whoever the hell he wants to be, baby. <laughs> well, he can after this, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it's difficult to see exactly what happens because it clearly makes contact with the post, doesn't it, the ball? Yes. But he must get a touch on it to justify that celebration afterwards. <laughs> Oh, it's all about that celebration, isn't it? I think he just modestly kind of, you know, diverts the, the ball onto the post. Yeah, I've just watched it again in super, super slow motion, which makes the celebration all more comical. But yeah, the ball changes direction based off Woodyard's um, header. It's absolutely sensational defending. I have enjoyed all weekend, not only the birthday festivities, but also um, York City fans on social media and the forum dissecting this uh, passage of play like they're the FBI in 1963 looking at the Pruder film, like trying to find a precise uh, moment. It's great defending on the line. Woodyard very clearly gets that glancing header on onto the post and it's as good as a goal and celebrates it um, justifiably so. Also, shout out to Sykes Kenworthy, clearly telling him to get out and push up, stop celebrating on my goal line making everyone on side. Please leave immediately. Just a great bit of play. One of the highlights of the season. Yeah, I do think that celebration really adds to it because, yeah, he, he wins the header, yeah. heads it onto the post, we get it clear, but then, yeah, he, he sticks his arm up in celebration, but then it's the, it's the little bit after it where, do we think he's replicating his header or he's just sort of roaring <laughs> in, in delight? He might What's be, he actually. Yeah, there? he does, doesn't he? Is he headbutting an imaginary foe? What's he doing here? It was very English, wasn't it? Just a, you know, defensive player, no longer got a name or number on the back of his shirt because it's no doubt been blooded due to the um, horrific defensive and violent nature of non-league football. Um, last minute head off the line, giving it the big ones. Anyone who'll listen, as a bunch of Essex people behind him giving dogs abuse. Lovely stuff. I'd also just like to remark... Um, Further upon the aspects of uh, Woodyard not having a name and number on the back of his shirt, no doubt due to a speck of blood on the white York City waist strip. It was also worth noting that Crooks, because of his head injury, also had a plain, no-numbered shirt on for the duration of the second half. So we had two players gallivanting about with blank rear of the shirts. I just would have loved it if it had it been one of them that had got the winner. Um, so we could have reenacted that Sean Newton viral clip. Oh, yeah. And we... like and tried to convince loads of football banter accounts that actually, once again, a uh, York City fan had come on the pitch and scored the late winner for our club. That would have been a bit of fun. I think there's still scope to do that. I can imagine in a couple of years' time we see incredible scenes. Fan runs onto pitch to clear 
to make goal line <laughs> clearance. I think that I think that could happen. We'll push it. Yeah, give it a few months to die down, and then we'll 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 go for that. Yeah. I'm in. But yeah, that clearance proved to be crucial because we hung on for a one nil win. Very important win. We said before the game we'd probably be happy with the draw, but you sort of half fancied us to sneak an away win, and that's exactly what we did. Um, this is going to be the style of Ardley Ball for the remainder of the season, and we've been having glimpses of this since reverting to the three-five-two. 5 um, This is how it should have gone at Rochdale away, and to a certain extent, Hartley pull away, smash and grab, try and get a goal, hold on, resilient defensive work, not particularly great to watch, rather attritional, that's a phrase I use on social media to describe it, but when it comes off, it comes off really well. Like the defence just all played really decently. Amos had a, a really good debut. He looked good at the back and going forward. I think Crooks on the left-hand side of the three just works so well. He's now got one of his you know former teammates next to him, so hopefully they should already have that you know partnership and relationship with one another. We know how good Fallfield is. Smith's getting better all the time. Um, Howe is now captain material. We knew he was captain at Solihull, didn't we? But he's now just looking the part for us. Uh, finally, it looks great. Waxing lyrical about Woodyard one more, one more time. How could we not? I think it's Wigan in the cup tie where he turned a corner. He had that reprieve, didn't he? Um, after the main and head red card got rescinded. And since then, he's not looked back. He's looked fantastic pretty much in every game. Um, maybe one or two you know, minor hiccups. Penalty at Hallipool and such. He's not perfect, but he's looking like that midfield general that we've needed for, for quite some time. And and Batty came back. It, just, it was mad how the midfield looked so much better immediately. I mean, it wasn't that long. It was about 10 minutes in total. But it was already looking to receive the ball and move the ball forwards, which we've not really seen from midfield properly, God, since he was in his first time round. So, you know, things are really looking up at the moment uh, with Batty to come back, in, uh, come back into the side for full 90 minutes. Players like uh, Woodyard, Chadwick, John Lewis and Rekinyemi all rotating up top. I think we could be confident of um, a very reasonable, if not good, end to the season. And if we lose 4-0 at home to Dorking, then disregard everything that, that Ben just said. We will shut the pod down. Um, <laughs> I cannot be having Mark White glo- uh, lording that one over us. Let's take a look at the tweets we had in response to the Southend game. One from Gavin Mercer, who said, Glad Lenny got the winner. So I don't have to explain to future generations how the F Davis missed that chance. On a plus <laughs> note, Batty did more forward passes in 10 minutes than we've done in three games. Good to have him back. Mm. Uh, Matthew Clegg said that was the definition of all about the result over the performance. Kudos to Adley and the defence slash GSK. Hope we've tapped up Harrogate for Smith. He's been immense. And Rock and Roll Nobody said poor performance, but we were able to keep Southend at bay and take a chance at the end. We could have put one away early with both Davis and Dippo having chances, but arguably we couldn't have been too upset if they were one nil up either. Lenny John Lewis, his name is a shop. It's an interesting thing from that from that uh, tweet is that I don't think the, the performance on the whole was bad, but I think the midfield was poor. But for every bit of the midfield being poor, the defence was was good. Every defender of the five or six with with Sykes Kenworthy played well. It just seems they just said the midfield as a whole wasn't quite click. You know, we got away with it in that sense. But no, I don't. I don't think I see it as a, a bad performance. If anything, until the one nil smash and grab, it was just a bit, you know, that word we keep using in the pod, just dodgy. Obviously, we've given our analysis. We've looked at some tweets, but we do have some more uh, tools at our disposal now because 
the website sofascore.com have started releasing stats for National League games. Oh, so we can okay. get all statistical uh, in our analysis. So I've got the I've got the stats up for this game here. Things that jump out: ball possession, Southend sixty six percent. We had thirty four percent. Probably not a big surprise, but that sums up maybe the different styles of play. They were holding on to it a lot better than we were, but we were you know trying to counter attack quite quickly. In terms of xg, Southend had one point four five, but we had two point zero five. So although they dominated possession, mm-hmm. we had more expected goals but yeah it's interesting to have a look at these stats they have made them available for previous games as well and that possession thing is really interesting because there's some games where it's even more stark like the new year's day win against gateshead we knew we were quite counter-attacking in that game as well if i bring that up Mm. we only had 24 percent of the possession and yet again we Mm. had more xg so is that become ardley ball this very sort of let them have the ball, sit back, be solid, and then try and break quickly and take the chances when we get them. It's very much um, like when Homer Simpson becomes a boxer and just let the opposition <laughs> tire themselves out by repeatedly hitting you. Yeah, uh, Ardley's clearly setting up um, strong defensively. If you want to have the ball in front of our back five with the defensive midfield side in front of them, that's absolutely fine. You've got, you've got to try and break us down. We have um, some really good attackers who can cause you problems at the back, and they're only going to get better as well once they increase their match fitness and their understanding of one another. So this is going to be it for the rest of the season. I think Adley's made it clear that he wants to revert to a more attacking, more pleasant on the eye style of football next season. But to guarantee National League football for this season, we're having to do this. And I can respect that. But yeah, let's zoom forward into the future um, and get our thoughts on the Dorking game. So I'm just approaching a very cold, drizzly LNAR Community Stadium. Um, the lineups have been announced. Three changes for City. Uh, dropping out Paddy McLaughlin, Scott Burgess and Will Davis. And Dan Batty coming back in. Finley Barnes making his full debut. And also Billy Chadwick. So yeah, three changes from the win over Southend. Quite excited to see... Uh, how the team lines up seems to be fairly attacking uh, less excited about the referee tonight it's uh, Ben's namesake Mr Richard Aspinall who we all remember fondly from the uh, Rochdale home game and maiden headaway game so he's given us uh, two red cards and three penalties against us in that time so uh, yeah possibly the most unwelcome guest at the LNER since oh Rishi Sunak yesterday, maybe? And yes, I am uh, joining this conversation from the warmth of my living room as I uh, prepare to watch the stream fully legally from my settee for once. Uh, lineup looks very decent. Happy to see um, a full debut for uh, Barnes, but also the return of Batty is uh, very, very welcomed. I'm interested to see what Chadwick can do from the start. He's not played brilliantly in that weird left-wing role that we had him in against Mainhead, and I think also away at Hartlepool. So he's hoping he has a, a fresh start in the middle with Dippo up top. So good to see the five at the back being retained. And that midfield looks pretty decent to me. So uh, here's hoping. Uh, say about the referee, yes, I have frantically called around the family 
nobody knows any relation by the name of Richard. So I've not been able to call in any favours for this one. We have, however, put a few quid on a penalty to be awarded. So you never know. Time, nil nil. Um, thought we started brightly. Chance for Finley Barnes within the first 30 seconds, uh, where he had a shot saved, went out for a corner, and then we had a couple more corners in quick succession. Uh, probably the best chance was for Billy Chadwick for about a quarter of an hour uh, after Dippo played him in. Probably should be scoring that from, from my view in the staff stand. It's a good bit of build-up play, but yeah, a bit of a weak finish in the end, unfortunately. But you could sort of see what we were trying to do, trying to keep the ball down a little bit more with this new-look midfield. Um, but we sort of petered out a bit after that, started going long to Dippo a bit more often. Um, Dippo had a couple of chances, one that he blazed over, and another one where he went on a little run and had a low shot saved. So. Those are the four chances I'd noted down, so they were all to York, so that would suggest we're dominating. Um, Dorking looked tidy enough in possession. Dan Pivers having quite a bit of the ball, but they haven't really threatened us, uh, I wouldn't say. So hopefully uh, we can get that going in the second half. But, uh, yeah, let me know what you've made of it on the stream. Oh, a bit much of a muchness, really, wasn't it, to be honest with you? Um, some decent half chances, as you've mentioned. The only one for Barnes was uh, was interesting. Uh, the Chadwick one, a little bit disappointing. Dippo's had some half chances. Trying to conjure up some space some for himself, isn't he? So that's good to see. Probably playing, actually, a bit better than he has been previously, so getting better all the time, as um, some band, I don't know who, once said. Um, a bit worried about how much the ball that um, Dorking are having. Um, as you say, they're quite tidy. They're pretty decent with the possession. They're keeping it and um, uh, we're kind of sitting off them. Um, it's not really great to watch, especially from a York point of view, but I think we start the, the half strongly. We end the half strongly. And, yeah, I think it's probably a fair nil-nil balance of play. Let's see what happens uh, in the second half. All right. Uh, Hope it's nice in the stadium. I'm going to um, have some pancakes. Well, I just got home and guess we need to reflect on the very disappointing 1-0 defeat to Dawkins. Yeah, where to start with the second half? I thought it sort of carried on where the first half had ended, with Dorkin having a lot more of the ball. We didn't really have any fluency, we couldn't get any moves going, and the defence just kept trying to lump it long to Dippo, which just wasn't really working. Dorkin had a reasonable chance from a header that was saved on 53 minutes. Hayden Hollis, the free kick, came all the way through to him. Luckily, Sykes came where he was able to tip that one over. But yeah, it just wasn't wasn't really working for us. So Ardley did 
makes subs a bit earlier than he normally does. So on 63 minutes, we had Will Davis and Lionel John Lewis coming on for Dipoak and Danny Amos, which wasn't the players I expected to see coming off. Obviously, Adley could see the system wasn't working. He wanted to try something a bit more direct, maybe. And it nearly worked straight away because uh, Will Davis had a shot hit the post about a minute after he came on. So I thought after that, you know, maybe uh, maybe we're going to get on top again. But no, it it carried on in the same kind of uh, stodgy way of us giving the ball away cheaply. Unfortunately, certain players who are meant to be our creative outlets, like Chadwick and Barnes, were not really involved. There were passengers at certain points, I thought. Um, looked like it was going to peter out to a nil-nil, because Dorkin, for all the possession they were having, they weren't really threatening us too much still. But then on 84 minutes, Tom Blair was seemingly allowed to sort of waltz through our defence a bit, really. We, we kept backing off him. Chance opened up, and he took it with a lovely finish outside of the area, in off the off the crossbar into the roof of the net. Can't really say they didn't deserve it on, on the balance of how the second half went. We did have a chance to equalise from a corner where Callum Howe put a header over the bar a couple of minutes after that, but otherwise it felt like we could have carried on playing without scoring, really. So it's the first time I've seen us play in the flesh since New Year's Day, so it was quite disappointing. I think that that second half was as poor as I've seen us play, probably since the first half at home against Hartlepool. And, yeah, it puts us right back into the relegation battle. Not only not getting the points ourselves, but uh, docking one of our rivals getting three points. It's going to make our fairly upbeat comments on the rest of the pod sound a bit uh, weird (laughs) after this. So, yeah, sadly, on this pancake day, our performance was a bit flat. Yeah, ultimately not remotely good enough um, to let a team that are near us in a relegation fight pretty much dominate parts of the play in midfield to have them score their one effort on target. It's really not like, look like scoring at the other end. I don't care that we hit the post. The keeper wasn't really forced to make any decent saves. Just embarrassing, really. This is the first result I've really put squarely on Adley. A team of that quality from Dorking should be coming to the LNER scared. They're a part-time team that can't play properly on long distances on a Tuesday. We've spent money, enough money, to be putting teams like that to bed comfortably. And we didn't. That's on management. (sighs) Yeah, so very, very frustrating. And our fixtures just don't look kind at all. That was the one, you know, match we had. That could ease us into a nice run had we won it, but we've not. We've lost it. And now we've got really difficult games at home to Dagenham. We've got a tails up and Oldham who are in a promotion hunt. So, Neil, over to you. We've gone over the docking points, so let's talk about talking points. Um, Just a couple of talking points this week. Um, The first one is that... After the South End game, I just thought it'd be interesting to put out a poll on Twitter to see who everyone would have as their club man of the year at this point. Uh, mostly because there was a lot of love for Alex Woodyard after the game, and I was thinking, oh, you know, mm. could he be a dark horse for that? Because when we've talked about it, we said, you know, there's there's two clear front runners, there's Dippo and there's Fallafield, with Fallafield mm-hmm. probably edging it because 
because Depo's had his time out with injury. Maybe not been quite at the same level since he came back. But let's just bring up the results of that poll. So we had 286 votes, four contenders. So in last place, with 7.7% is George Sykes Kenworthy. Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, he's not been at the club for that much of the season, but I think he's definitely made an impact. So I thought he was worth shortlisting there. Mm-hmm. Some people did apparently give him their vote. Um, Tom Putnam, 11, said yesterday showed the importance of Glaxo. We would have lost that game 2-0 before he arrived. In third place, 15.7% of the vote, Dipo Akinyemi. Now, that's an interesting one. I think if you'd conducted that poll much earlier in the season, he would have probably been way out in the lead. But it's just showing oh, yeah. that, that, you know, maybe that injury and his form dropping off a bit has um, yeah, taken the edge off of what kind of campaign he's having. There's still time to turn it around, though, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fitness issue right now, a match fitness issue. And I did start um, confidence. The glaring chance in the first half against Southend is, you know, a great example. Just maybe take a little bit sooner and I'll come back to him. He's a class striker. The ability that he showed in the first third of the season shows that um, it's not, a, you know, a temporary thing with him. He knows where the back of the uh, net is. He'll find his uh, scoring boots once more. We don't need to worry. In second place, with 27.6% of the vote, was Alex Woodyard. Mm. A few mentions for him. Uh, James Staff said, Woodyard for me, he's so consistent and important to our team. Matthew Clegg said, I've gone for big hair. Basically being a one-man midfield at times. And since fit, probably man of the match more often than not. But the winner, with a fairly comfortable 49%, was Ryan Fallerfield. Ethan Henderson. <laughs> well, you know, I would say there's still time, but thankfully that, that's not an option anymore. <laughs> hey, you might be Atherton Colliery Welfare's player of the season, you never know. I'll get back to you on that one. Quite a lot of support for Fallerfield. Uh, Morgan Bruce said, Fallerfield for the consistency and longevity of his performances. No injuries, and he's done it all season. The others have either had injuries, came in later, or started the season slower. Matthew Clulo says, Woodyard didn't play well up until Wigan, since then he's been great, but appreciate he wasn't getting a lot of help until that point. Got to be Fallerfield for me, given his consistency. Rarely has a bad game, good defensively, and offers a threat in attack. Mm-hmm. Callum says, at this stage, potentially Fallerfield, but GSK would fully deserve it if he continues the way he's playing. And just as a wild card, we had YCFC's statistics and history saying the Burge is a contender. Ooh, I can imagine a few people would be a bit unhappy with a Burge to uh, uh, be voted player of the season, but, you know, there's plenty of game time left to play. I am the cliche. I would maintain that my vote for right now is uh, for Fallerfield. I think he's been consistently good, if not very good, all season. As pointed out before there by one of the uh, listeners, he's not had an injury to curtail his good form. You know, much to uh, our benefit, he's popped up with some really good performances and goals. So it's hard. It's hard for me to pass him at this moment, to be honest with you. And fair play to him. We always knew he was a good, reliable, and steady fullback at this level, if not for level higher as well. But he's really, really showing it this season. I'm really happy for him. I'd go along with that in terms of he's been performing all season, whereas the likes of Woodyard have been, yeah, very good the last couple of months, uh, but maybe not quite as much earlier on. Maybe another potential yeah. dark horse, Callum Howe, in terms of his recent form. No, that's a good shout. Really good shout was Howe. Had a bit of a dodgy start with Cawthorn, unfortunately, at the beginning of the season. I think he had an injury in August, if that, that rings a bell. That kind of stunted his um, match fitness going into the um, rather bizarre start of the season that we had. 
but he's got better and better as it's gone on. Really important goal away at Mainhead springs to mind. I can't think of too many bad performances since he's moved into um, this three at the back. You saw his celebrations at full time with um, Woodyard against Main uh, against Southend at the weekend. It clearly means a lot to him to be at this club. Future captain material in my in my opinion. Although obviously Fallowfield's done nothing on on that front. So yeah, lots of lots of really good things to be positive about th- at present. Yeah, it's nice that we're discussing more than two names in relation to that. Although interesting that they're nearly all defensive players uh, mostly. <laughs> But yeah, we will be crowning our own same old city player of the season in our end mm-hmm. of season awards, I think. Have you booked out? Do you manage to get hold of Yacht Barbican to get that booked? I thought you were booking that. Oh, hey, bootleg Beatles, get lost. Yeah. Be on again, do one. <laughs> Guns and posers, get out of it. <laughs> Is that a real one? I just made that one up. <laughs> It's interesting they're all tribute bands. Do you think we, there could be a same old city tribute act performing it? Lame old city. There you go. That's <laughs> that. You're not allowed to use that, by the way, anyone. If you... <laughs> Take me down to the same old city. Where the, where the banter's good and the... Football's sh- No, there we go. <laughs> where were we? Oh, we've got another talking point, which is the one you wanted to talk about last time. I love the way you're making it sound like I was absolutely desperate to discuss this. It was just something that came to my attention during the recording. You added it to running order, which isn't a normal occurrence. So, <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was interesting. And I was suddenly, it's, I've been chomping at the bit for seven days to discuss this incredibly serious and important matter regarding our chairman's social media presence. Yeah, well, it relates to Matt Ogler being fined £250 for his social media posts following the Ebsfleet game. So I did want to check back on what the posts actually were. Let me just let me just get the tweet up here. So it says, I'm happy to get in trouble. Refs at this level are an absolute disgrace. That guy should be demoted to Sunday League. Had an argument with them after and the arrogance is unmatched. Sort it out, Vanarama, it's every week. What, what do we think about that? I can see why he did get fined, to be honest, reading it back, because it's sort of calling out that ref specifically. But in terms of the, the tweet itself, I think that was sort of, what we were all feeling at the time it was it's kind of the reaction of a fan isn't it yeah i like how you've raised this like it's a you know let's do a, a middle of the road let's see both sides talking point. <laughs> under no circumstances should the chairman be tweeting that <laughs> no <I was> <laughs> no but we agree you're right it's a fan's reaction i was furious after the full time against hebs fleet and you know the players on the field were ferociously angry at the uh, the officials. I remember hearing the red card was Tony Tony man got his man got his uh, marching orders after the fact. It, was absolute, it sounds like it was absolute chaos on there, and yeah, of course, um, Matt Ogle got wound up enough to uh, <laughs> throw two hundred and fifty pounds into some fire just to tweet abuse to uh, a referee. Yeah, it's amusing, but um, yeah, it's not something I hope he does too often. Really, it does kind of make the club as a whole look a little a tiny bit you know i'm not gonna say i'm professional but you know it's it's not something i'd be overtly keen on happening too often as a reflection of of our football club but got a cheap laugh so can't say fairer than that can you all right well let's let's move on from that and let's look ahead to what's coming up next week for city So, excitingly, we are going Saturday, Tuesday again next week. And it's two home games. 
So we are playing Dagenham and Redbridge at home on Saturday, followed by Oldham Athletic on the Tuesday. So let's take these games uh, sort of one at a time. Mm-hmm. Now Dagenham, in terms of their recent form, they did just beat Oxford City 7-1. So mm-hmm. there's that. Um, they've won three out of the last six, risen to 12th in the table, uh, three points above us at the time of recording. So they look like they were in a bit of relegation danger, but seem to have found a little bit of form recently. The top scorer is Ine Effiong on 14 goals. He got a couple against Oxford City. We do fondly remember the, the away game this season, where we mm. absolutely stole a 2-1 win with, with two late goals. don't know if you recall the equivalent fixture last season, but that was a one-all draw in October under John Askey. I'm going to put you on the spot and ask if you can remember the scorer. It rings a bell for some reason. Was that another late late show? Um, was that a late equaliser? I'm going to go with... Was it Saunders? Sanders. Yeah, not so- Sanders, sorry. Was it Sanders? It was the Colonel himself, well remembered. Oh, well, 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 I got his name right, but yeah, yeah. I seem to recall late equaliser from Sanders in a game we got battered in. That might be that one. Uh, John Askey, whatever happened to him? <laughs> yeah, what we're we expecting from this one, it's yeah a team sort of reasonably close to us in the league. Our home form has, has been iffy. I think we've only had, what, three home wins all season in the league. So mm. what are we thinking from, from this one? Yeah, it's hard to get a, a measurement of things at the moment, isn't it? Because we keep having positive moments such as, ah, you know, the Gateshead victory, the victory against Southend just now. And then we have moments where we get frustrated, like the uh, the draw at home to Mainhead and defeat Hartlepool. So it's very hard to think about where we should be in the table we are speaking right now before the Dorking game, so look behind that curtain. So obviously, I think it'll be a carry on of how we perform against against Dorking if we start to come out a bit more positive because of players like Amos and Batty being available to us. That can only be a good thing. So if we have a positive performance against um, Dorking and take that forward to Dagenham, I don't see why we can't get a positive result. Dagenham are iffy, just like us. Uh, we're at home. We should be wanting to turn our, our home form around. And I would be confident if we can get a good result versus Dorking, which you're all aware of now, then we can get a good result against um, Dagenham. If we haven't got a positive result against um, Dorking, then, um, yeah, just shut the club down, basically. So then we'll move on to home game against Oldham, who, again, at time of recording, are on the edge of the playoffs in eighth place. Um, They've had some iffy results recently because they drew with Ebsley and lost at home to Woking. But they did beat Barnet before that. Mm. And they've got James Norwood is the top scorer on 16. And they've also recently signed Joe Garner, another uh, forward who's got some decent pedigree in the league. So they've certainly got the financial backing at the moment. If we think back to the last time we played them, it was one of Ardley's early games where we lost 2-0. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I seem to remember we actually played all right. Yeah, it was the away fixture on the evening, wasn't it? We played okay. And then um, Oldham's kind of showed the, the gap in quality that was that exists between the, the two sides at that time. Yeah, it wasn't particularly a mostly memorable fixture. Yeah, to jump back to sofa score, now that we've got this new toy, we may as well use it. We actually had 67% possession there. So that just shows oh, wow. you the difference in style of play between what Ardley was trying to do, first of all, yeah. uh, and the, the more counter-attacking, maybe functional style he's using at the moment. But yeah, again, I'll uh, I'll put you on the spot about the game last season. It was another one order on to John Askey, this time Bank Holiday Monday. Now, I believe mm-hmm. you do remember who scored the goal because you mentioned it uh, on last week's episode. <laughs> I did mention it last week. It was the late equaliser from Oliver Dyson. 
who hoovered up an opportunity in the 18-yard <laughs> box to put a, a pass the keeper in front of a, the packed south stand. A very fond memory of that fixture. Yeah, so one all draws in both of those games last season. What do we think we're going to get this time out? I think four points would be would be a great return, wouldn't it? Again, it probably oh, depends yeah. what happens against Dorking. Can I get your, your Ben Aspinall prediction for these two games? Well, obviously, because we have just put Dorking away 4-0, we're going into these two fixtures full of confidence. And therefore, I'm going to go for a um, 1-0 victory of a Dagenham before a 1-1 draw against Oldham. Okay. Well, we've pretty much covered everything we wanted to uh, in this week's episode then. One little last thing I wanted to, to do. Now, if all goes to plan, we should be releasing this episode on Valentine's Day. Mm. So I um, thought it was a little little bit of a treat. I know how much you love those uh, York City pun 11s, Ben. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a big fan. That's true. We did the, the Halloween one, the Christmas yep. one. We did. Um, I didn't remember in time to ask people for Valentine's puns on Twitter, but yeah. I've gone to the time to, to come up with one myself. You'll be delighted to know. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, let me just put my uh, reading glasses on, which do not have a pair of fake eyes over the front, and listen. Okay, so... We're lined up in a simple 4 4 The formation of love. <laughs> yeah. In goal, we've got Mark Lovendale. In defence, we have Dwayne Courtship. <laughs> oh, this isn't worth it, Simon. <laughs> Kiss Brass. <laughs> He's partnered in the centre of defence by Joe Date. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then rounding out the defence, Andy Adorson. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I like that. Let's move into the midfield. We've got Leo Flirtos. <laughs> oh, Simon, it hurts. <laughs> Richard Cupid. Cooper. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't work at all, but carry on. Steve Crushel. <laughs> right. <laughs> you got a crush on someone. No, I, I, I know, I guess, where the pun came from, yes. And Hart in Wolford. Yeah. I would have gone for um, Martin... Wolf whistle. Bird. Oh, I like that. Yeah. You don't really want to be wolf whistling at someone on Valentine's Day, though, do you? Oh, it's a bit, sex- a bit sexist, that, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good point. Go on, who's up front? Well, we've got a, a very dynamic duo up front. We've got Ryan Bowman with Arrow Wilford. So I think they'll link up nicely, Bow and Arrow. Oh, that is horrific in every sense. But Ryan Bowman, that could be like being someone's bow. As well, like yeah. B E A U, the French one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Johnny O's on the bench. Uh, how could I not? So we got Darling Beresford. That doesn't work. That doesn't but work. You knew who it was, so it does. Uh, Lee Wood. Right, <laughs> 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 Simon, when you do the pun, right, you don't need to explain it. It's just I've not got that much confidence in some of them. See if you get this one. <laughs> Gus Masuta. Well, Masuta from last season. Yeah, and if you're like someone's suitor. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 suitor, yeah, yeah. Rogerio Carvalentine. <laughs> that, that's awful. That's bad. The steam was very much running out at this point, wasn't it, Sai? Oh, let's see if I can pull it back with the last sub, who is Rodney Romance. 
Yeah. That's all right. Can, that's good. That's that's all right. Yeah. And he knew what romance was, didn't he? Well, allegedly. <laughs> Managed, of course, by John Lovebird. Yeah, I guess. Any any thoughts on that? Um, I hated every moment of it. Thank you. Is that not how you Thanks wanted to spend it. your birthday? Honestly, that's the best birthday present you could have got me. Thank you. Well, it's the only birthday present I got you, so. <laughs> well, that's a great stroke of luck then, isn't it, Simon? So when's the next pun fest? I'm guessing Easter. Exactly. Oh, God. Egg, like a bird's egg. No, again, you don't need to explain it. <laughs> but yeah, thanks as always for listening. Uh, do get involved with our social media output at Same Old City Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We don't deserve it. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for listening and uh, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Hope Cupid's arrow is more accurate for you uh, than Will Davis's shot was at Southend. Jesus. But until next time, keep the faith. Valentine told